Now it's time for Inspirational Women. And my guest, Fern Schumer Chapman, author of a critically important new book, Brother, Sister, Strangers, Sibling Estrangement and the Road to Reconciliation. It's for us directly or a gift for someone we know. Fran Schumer Chapman, good morning, and thank you so, so greatly for being with us today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, I am so grateful that we have this opportunity uh, to have a conversation around your book, which is around life, Brothers, Sisters, Strangers, Sibling Estrangement, and the Road to Reconciliation. And when I saw this opportunity come across in my email, I thought, oh, yes, this looks so critically important. And then as I was reading this and realizing how broad and how deep this kind, this estrangement exists in our world, uh, I it was just uh, really quite earth-shattering. And then I began to see it in places uh, in my own relationship. So... So thank you, first of all, Fern, for writing this incredible book. Oh, well, thank you very much. It's um, somewhat comforting to know that the story is resonating with others and giving relief to many. I can't see but that it would help to do that. So just in in terms of basics, uh, the book, the way you've structured it, is such that you share your own story and the estrangement with your brother. And then you, because you were doing research on this topic, which hadn't been really researched, you share stories from people really from around the globe. Right. So the structure is actually quite unique in that there is a gripping narrative drive in the book as the reader comes along with me on this journey as I try to rebuild my relationship with my brother, which had been estranged for 40 years. And of course, this is in the wake of a lot of betrayal and mistrust. So how does one do that? It certainly doesn't happen in one sit down. And I bring the reader along as we slowly have these very serious conversations and address the issues between us. And, of course, I didn't know why he had cut me off. So that is a a narrative drive in the book as well. Uh, I went through this seven years ago, and as I was facing this possibility of reconciliation, I looked to see if I could read everything I could on siblings and their relationships and reconciliation. Well, there wasn't much out there. And as a writer, you always want to write about something that may be unique to you. And so I I took notes and eventually did put this all in the form of a book. And I hope it serves as a kind of support group for others because it's important to recognize that the estranged are not only isolated from their brother or sister, but they're also isolated from a support group because nobody talks about this. It's so stigmatized. Exactly. So let's touch on that point of how there seems to be, there is a, a kind of shame that exists so that there's that stigma and and people don't want to reveal it they feel like oh well i'm the oddball in this whole world of people who really all are are doing quite fine right there's an expectation that there's going to be family cohesion 
And there's some wiggle room in there. So, for example, uh, if I tell you I'm divorced, you would probably hardly flinch. <laughs> um, if I tell you that I don't get along with my mother, you probably raise your eyebrows and kind of roll your eyes in agreement. But if I say to you that I can't get along with my brother, it is very indicting. Um, the questions become, can you get along with anybody? What's wrong with you? Why wouldn't you have a sibling relationship? And, you know, there are many siblings. My brother was not one of them, but who are deeply toxic. And sometimes it's absolutely essential to cut off to protect yourself. But our idea of what family is doesn't really give any room for that idea. Right. And and that is one piece of it, though. You were mentioning in some families, siblings uh, might be toxic to one another. And, and I think we probably are quite aware of that. And that's a that's a, a separate situation than one that you experienced and that many similarly have that all of a sudden you you don't know what happened, you, but you're just not connected at all. Right. And that's a very confusing place to be. And there is a unique pain to estrangement. I felt like I was mourning the living. It's not like a death where, of course, there's no negotiating when somebody dies. It's final. But this is an open wound. And there is a chronic sense of emptiness. And there's this rumination that often occurs, and it certainly did for me, what did I do? How can I fix this? And this is like an acid drip on the brain. And you can be doing anything and finding happiness in other places, but it's always capped by that drip at the back of your brain that's basically saying, yes, but you don't have a relationship with your only brother or your sister. Right. And and you might have sort of this almost like a tangent relationship where you might see each other at some kind of a an, a family event or a social event, but you seem almost like strangers, except you know each other. Right, and that's even more painful right. because you're once again exposed to the absence. I had some people who filled out my survey and they talked about the pain of estrangement and they talked about it being like a rotten tooth that's always pulsating in your mouth. I think that's a really good description. It's just always there. And you have no voice because they've shut you out. So there's no recourse and there's no opportunity to say, oh, I did that. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're just shut down. Yes. And I think that you know, if we feel that we're intelligent uh, human beings doing well, uh, we're aware, why can't I make this work? There's that kind of agitation, and yet you can't make another person do anything like that if they are just shut off to you and not willing to uh, open a door to communicating. Right. You cannot make somebody want a relationship with you. And I'm often asked about whether there's an opportunity to reconcile. Well, only if two people want it. I mean, it doesn't work if one person wants it and the other doesn't. You know, I just also want to say one thing about exclusion, because it's a pain that cuts deeper and lasts longer than a physical injury. And there have actually been studies 
that have noted the pain of ostracism. And when someone's shunned even by a stranger, even briefly, they have the same strong, harmful reaction in their brain. It activates the same parts of the brain that registers for physical pain. So you can see that this is a physiological response to being shunned and shut out. And you know, just as an aside, as you say that, it reminds me of actually a couple of instances where I have gotten quite angry with someone, uh, actually a coworker in both instances, just and and like just totally shut myself off. Like there, there was definitely a wall there, and and it was me that realized how painful that was. I'm not sure if anyone else, the other people felt that, but we have to realize when we we do something like that, how how injurious it is to ourselves. Absolutely. I'm not sure there's a pain. Of course, you know, there are all kinds of experiences of pain, but this is a pretty severe one. And it's, I think what makes it so hard is it's ongoing. Mm-hmm. It's continual. And there's no resolution unless you have the good fortune of finally reconciling. Now, going back before the reconciling, what is I think is so important to understand is this uh, physiological, psychological aspect because you found as you sought help for yourself that this is actually PTSD that goes on. Well, yes, it, it can be post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, I am the daughter, and I've actually written about this, I'm the daughter of a Holocaust refugee. Holocaust survivors and refugees have the second highest rate of post-traumatic stress disorder uh, right behind soldiers. And actually, as you know from Vietnam, the soldiers and the refugees or survivors transmit this in the family. So I already had PTSD, but this experience aggravated it and made it much, much worse. You know, we didn't, my brother and I only have each other. And when I recognized that I had PTSD, I couldn't even go to him and say, hey, you know, we were, we were raised in a very traumatic home and there's a good chance you have it as well. And actually, as you know from the book, the break point in all this is my brother gets into a very dark place and he's caught in a PTSD swirl. And my mother begs me to intervene. And, of course, the minute I see him, I recognize that he was having a PTSD reaction Uh, to many things. And that was the beginning of this process of finding one another. And, and, you know, it's, it's so hard. And yet, in life, it seems that we have to reach some sort of rock bottom before we can finally maybe realize, I need help. And hopefully, that's the realization to reach out and, and seek help, which is what happened. Well, as you know from the book, I had a very confused reaction mm-hmm. to what I should do. I mean, suddenly after 40 years, he and my mother are asking me to come and intervene and rescue him when he hasn't had any relationship with me for decades. I was angry and resentful. And of course, then when I saw him 
and saw his physical and mental state, I recognized I couldn't ignore him. And it raised all sorts of interesting questions about what is your responsibility to an estranged brother? What is your responsibility to your mother or to the family? Mm -hmm. Um, and, And I found that very interesting. I ultimately did try and I did it with great trepidation because I feared that he would cut me off again. And it's important to recognize that it's very easy when you've had an estrangement to lapse back into estrangement, even if you reconnect for a brief period. And I have to say, it's taken me years to finally trust that he's going to be in my life. Yeah. And I thought you were, you are, but in going through this, how very strong you were in setting boundaries and saying what your expectation was, knowing too that, of course, he still might break off contact again. But but to say it, I thought, was so powerful. I'm sure that had an impact on him. Well, I think it has, and and, and it did at that time. And the interesting thing, as you know from reading the book, is I'm constantly expecting him to cut out and disappear on me. Mm. And at one point in the book, he says a couple of things. He says, you know, I tried living without family. I don't want to go there again. That's not how I want to live anymore. And that was a turning point for me because I had the reassurance I needed. But I think another incredible moment in the book was when he describes the effect of cutting me off, his only sister. And he said, by abandoning you, I abandoned myself. And I think what he was saying is there's a kind of self-exile that occurs when you cut off somebody who is an integral part of your identity. You are removed from yourself. That is both profound, and then it's one of those things that feels like, yes, of course, that makes complete sense. Right. And my brother and I are very different. And so I understand that we did not share a lot of interests, and we didn't share a lot of life goals. Um, But I came to realize that it didn't matter. Mm -hmm. He shared that history with me. And certainly he was the only one who could corroborate my memories and really give me a sense of what had happened when we were children. You know, another interesting aspect of the book, and I realized this, as you know, from the very, in the very end, and that is that I did not get a lot of what I needed from my own parents. And he was my older brother. And In my young world, anybody who was older knew better about how to navigate Mm -hmm. this very confusing world we live in. And so in some ways, I think I placed on him uh, some of the expectations that you might get the unconditional love uh, and your needs met from your parents. Now, that was very unfair to him, but you can understand this pattern given that when parents can't meet the needs, then maybe an older sibling has some of the, you know, steps into some of that role. Mm -hmm. And I think that, of course, it would relate to just 
all of us, but the picture that came to mind was thinking of children who go into foster care and how they try to take care, uh, some of them try to care, take care of each other and, and keep the family together, but some have been so wounded that they just can't engage in that way. It's, so, it well, it's still sibling relationships, so it really factors into, well, for for all of us. Yeah, I think your comparison's a good one. Um, we look for what we need. And, um, you know, but aside from that, siblings are a very important cornerstone of emotional health. And actually, one of the longest studies on well-being, which has been going on since 1938, the Harvard Study of Adult Development, has found that a close relationship with a sibling during the college years provides a reliable indicator of emotional health later in life. And in addition, there are a lot of studies that corroborate the importance of siblings. And they have found that adults who perceived that their siblings validated them had higher levels of self-esteem. And this is an interesting point about the importance of siblings. Um, and also they had better academic performances. Uh, they improved their chances of having a well-adjusted adulthood. They, of course, had less loneliness and lower levels of depression and greater satisfaction in life. So you can see that all of the studies are pointing to the same thing, which is that siblings matter. Now, what is often overlooked is siblings are the longest relationship in a life. They exceed the relationship with your partner or with your parents and sometimes can go as long or longer than 80 years. So you can see why they're so important. Absolutely, yes. And that's why this book really is so critically important because as you pointed out, and you do in the book as well, that as you looked for something like this, there just has never been anything really written. And so I think this gives us the stories and so much of the formative information that we need uh, if we, and quite likely we are, having some of these struggles in our life. Well, you know, you say that, and it's interesting, there just aren't even that many studies. So Freud mentions siblings five times in all of his volumes of work. And only in the last 20 years or so have, have um, social scientists started to study the sibling relationship. And yet it is so important. So it's, a, it's an interesting, I, I hope there will be a lot more research because it was very difficult while I was doing this to come up with some of this. And the idea of sibling estrangement, there just isn't much out there. I work with another man who has created a sibling estrangement website. So that's kind of the first of its kind. We have actually been doing a podcast. It's actually called Brothers, Sisters, Strangers Podcast which addresses some of the issues that are tied to this. So you can see that we're kind of groundbreaking, but um, it's a very isolated, you know, you're kind of isolated twice. You're isolated from the family and the siblings, and then you're isolated from the support. Right. Yes. So that's good to know that there's the podcast as well. Uh, are we able to access that through your website, Fern? 
Um, you know, I don't know that I've put up a link there. I need to. Uh, but you can go, I mean, if you, it's Brothers, Sisters, Strangers podcast on YouTube, and you will find it. Uh, and we've addressed such issues as self-esteem, uh, building trust, um, toxic relationships, grieving, which is a big one, of a, a sibling relationship. And that's probably one of the most challenging things to do, to accept that this person who is in your family no longer has a role in your life. And and it just it's the same whether you can't understand what the rift was, why are we so distant, or if you know that it was toxic, that you needed to break it off, th- there still is that need for grieving. Oh, absolutely. And again, this is completely under-acknowledged. So, of course, we talk about grieving all the time when it comes to a death in the family. Well, this is a kind of death as well. It's just that person still walking the earth. And how do you do that? That's really hard to do. And most people get very stuck there. And they do what I was describing before. They ruminate because they can't find solutions or answers to the fact that they had no relationship with their sibling. Right. And and no one to really discuss it with. And so that's where the book and now the podcast of the same name, Brother, Sister, Strangers, really is an incredible guide and support, and I think will really open doors to to finding uh, the solutions for ourselves that we are seeking. Right. You know, it's interesting. When I started all this, I didn't even know that there were risk factors for estrangement. And I started doing research and reading and discovered that there are actually risk factors. So what are some of them? Well, family trauma. And as I mentioned earlier, that's something that my brother and I absolutely experienced. Parental favoritism, this idea that a parent prefers one child over another, that will set children up for estrangement. Poor communication skills. And this is a huge one. In fact, I've been asked, You know, what can parents do to prevent estrangement between their children? Teach them how to negotiate differences. Teach them how to talk to each other. And that's something that isn't emphasized enough. Mm -hmm. Um, Family values, judgments, and choices. This is a real interesting one, and a good example of this is Harry, as in William, the royals, William and Harry. Harry married far outside the family identity. And some families simply won't tolerate uh, behaviors that resist or defy the family identity. So wittingly or unwittingly, Harry chose a partner who would help him distance himself from the family and maybe even create a total break. Um, This is what others who fall into that. So if you marry somebody outside the religion, if you choose a partner that is of a different sexual orientation that that the family can't tolerate. Um, All of these kinds of choices, even just marrying somebody who pulls you out of the family, and this is a really common thing where, you know, you just have nothing to do with each other because um, the the partner chooses that they don't want any relationship with the in-laws. 
Political differences, this is huge. And as you know, right now in the current climate, it's a, a much more acute situation than ever before. And people allow political differences to lead to a complete shutdown of the relationship. Then there's addiction and mental health issues. Of course, that can be problematic. And money. <laughs> and I heard a lot from those who filled out my survey that the end of life stage is very difficult because you have to resolve all of the caregiving and inheritance issues. So that's something that is very divisive as well. Right. So we realize, or this opens up to realizing what's below the surface and the kinds of things that rankle at people. Here's a way to gain an understanding and to then look and find the solution to hopefully rectify our lives, remedy them sooner rather than later. Right. And there are methods to sit down and begin the process of reconciliation. And actually, I base some of what I included in the book on Dr. Donna Hicks's dignity model. And she's the someone who has actually had opposite sides of people who have been warring or genocide sit down together and face each other's issues. And so I used her dignity model as the basis for how to get past these deep divides. So I can tell you quickly, if you'd like, yes, what please. some of that is. So you have to sit down face to face. This is, cannot be done at one time in one conversation and not on the phone or on the text. It's not going to happen. You have to sit down together face to face. You have to listen without interrupting and without challenging each other's stories. The one goal is to seek understanding. So everybody, any expert you talk to agrees that reconciliation is impossible without true, genuine listening. And actually, true, genuine listening is a show of love and respect. Uh, you have to acknowledge with empathy the other person's hurt and anger and alienation. You have to give them the benefit of the doubt, which is hard to do sometimes, but absolutely necessary. You have to believe that their intentions are good and trustworthy. Act on your own willingness, desire, and hope to create a mutual bond. And most importantly, you have to let go of the anger. And getting, letting go of the anger is a very difficult part of this because, of course, we tend to chew on our anger, don't we? Yes. But it's so valuable. It's invaluable to know the structure, to be aware, to get familiar with, to move to that place. Uh, it, it's a process. And that's what you said. You can't do it one time. It is a process. It it, uh, it may have been one thing that began this, but it, it's going to take it, so many years have intervened. So there's a lot to unravel. Right. And I think that's the sense that you get when you read my book, because there's so much suspicion and so much resentment in the beginning of the book. And you can feel my brother and me sort of meandering through those emotions to ultimately find some comfort level and peace. 
And I have to say, having been estranged for so many years and then reconciling, that you don't have to have a perfect relationship. And you might even have a limited relationship. But to get rid of that rumination and that acid drip, I'll take it. (laughs) It's such a relief. Now, having said that, I want to emphasize once again there are some relationships that you go back into them and you're just going to get hurt over and over again. So you have to assess, is my sibling cruel? Am I going to get hurt again? Mm-hmm. Those are important questions. And I actually include a list of how do we evaluate a sibling relationship in the book. Um, but if you don't, if you feel like you can at least make an attempt, you know, there are ways to have a relationship which may not be exactly what you're hoping for or expecting, but nonetheless, it offers some relief and comfort. Exactly. And ultimately, it'll be healthier uh, in mind and body and spirit for that to occur. So I can't emphasize enough, really, how incredibly important this book is, Brothers, Sisters, Strangers, Sibling Estrangement, and the Road to Reconciliation. So, Fern Schumer-Chapman, I thank you greatly for having written this, for taking time with us this morning. And we should mention your website so that people can really get a lot more information as well. Yeah, my website is fernschumerchapman.com. It's my whole name with S-C-H-U-M-E-R, fernschumerchapman.com. And I just want to say, Kate, thank you for taking so much time for this topic. I think it's a real service to your listeners who are struggling and suffering with alienation from the family. Yes, absolutely. What I feel it can do is help us to be healthier people moving forward so we can create a healthier world for all of us. And, you know, we didn't talk about this, but I think it's important to say that this branches out into all sorts of aspects of life. It's not contained to siblings. So, you know, it affects your ability to trust. It affects your relationship with yourself and your self-esteem. And then, of course, it affects all of the family who has to make a choice between one side or the other. Exactly. All excellent points and all again leading back to become informed, realize there is this information and insight and knowledge. So take advantage of getting your own copy of the book. So again, Fern, thank you so greatly for the book and for your time this morning. Oh, it's been my pleasure. I so appreciate it. That brings us to the end of a very full hour of Inspirational Women with Fern Schumer-Chapman and Sunday Morning Magazine with Warren Lai. I'm Kate Daniels, your host, and I greatly appreciate your sharing this hour with me and these special guests. For details you might have missed or information you'd like to know, please just send me an email, kated at warm1069.com, and I will get right back to you. Also, if you'd like to listen again or share these important stories with your family and friends, find the podcast on our Warm 1069 webpage. Just click on the podcast tab, then either of the show names, and then look for the guest names. I now wish you and your family a day of peace, of love, of acceptance, of self, and of each other. 
Have a week of the same, and then please plan to join me again next weekend for another hour of Sunday Morning Magazine and Inspirational Women on Warm 106.9. Good morning.